0: Welcome to The Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voysen and Link DeVenny, each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to The Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a Advanced Certified Paralegal, and I call myself the Paralegal Mentor. I publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies, and I'm also the co-author of the Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My co-host, Linda Venney, is unable to be with us today, so I'm going solo. This show wouldn't happen without the support of our sponsor, NALA, a professional association for paralegals, providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful to your career and your everyday job. And we also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. Today on the Paralegal Voice, we'll discuss the new trend of working virtually and how virtual paralegals form a magical team to deliver services to attorneys. Joining me today are Tina Marie Hilton and Kathy Ribble, ACP. Tina Hilton runs her virtual services business, Clerical Advantage, from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Conover, North Carolina. She's been providing a variety of services to legal professionals and business creatives since 2007. Welcome, Tina.
2: Thank you, Vicky. I'm very excited to be here.
1: We're happy to have you. Also joining me today is Kathy Ribble, ACP, a senior level paralegal who decided to take her skills to the virtual world in 2009 with Digital Paralegal Services, LLC. Kathy lives and works in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And welcome, Kathy.
3: Hi, Vicki. It's a pleasure to be here with you today and share a few thoughts.
1: Thank you. I've known both Tina and Kathy for uh, for a few years, and we've also worked together on on several projects. One being 66 tips from your virtual paralegal success team, and the other is just a recent virtual paralegal interview series, and those um, are available on my website at paralegalmentor.com. Now, Kathy and Tina, both of you had a vision of owning your own businesses, and that was to provide virtual services. So tell our listeners a bit about your background and how just how you got started. And Kathy, let's start with you.
3: I began working in a law office as a receptionist bookkeeper uh, even while I was still in high school. So I worked my way up through all of the different uh, stages, worked as a legal secretary, and then finally progressed to that level of paralegal. Uh, I have worked primarily in the area of civil litigation, uh, and I have over 15 years' experience within traditional law firms. One of the first times that I heard the term virtual paralegal was actually on one of your monthly paralegal calls with the paralegal mentor. Uh, I knew about freelance paralegals, and I suspected that some paralegals worked from home, but I really did not know any details about that. So after hearing that term, I researched uh, and planned for about six months and then launched Digital Paralegal Services in
2: 2009.
1: And the rest is history, right?
2: That's right.
1: <laughs> That's right. Okay, Tina, tell us a little bit about your business.
2: I started my business when the real estate title company that I was working as a real estate paralegal for closed its doors. Uh, I quickly realized that the job market was at rock bottom. So, I assessed my skills and combined them with my knowledge of online technology. I absolutely knew there had to be plenty of businesses out there that could benefit from the flexibility of receiving highly experienced assistance without needing to hire an employee uh, and take on that added burden of employee taxes and benefits. So, I brought my training and my experience together with my love of computers and created what really is my dream job. Uh, Plus, I get to be the
1: boss. And that can be good and bad. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now, both of you work virtually, but you provide entirely different services. So tell our listeners, um, you know, what you do. And, and, Tina, let's start with you this time.
2: The services that I provide are mostly focused on the adoption of online technologies. Uh, I create and maintain WordPress websites, creating PowerPoint presentations, business blogging, ebook, e-newsletter... And webinar assistance is some of my more popular services. And then you couple that with some of my more administrative-type services, like document conversion to PDF and creation of tables of content and online calendaring. And you can see where that geek slant to what I offer my clients is. Um, it's a wide variety of, of services, but it's really great because I don't ever get bored.
1: I guess not. Now, Kathy, tell us about uh, digital paralegal services.
2: My services
3: differ from Tina in that I provide more traditional uh, paralegal services for attorneys. I do the same thing that an in-house uh, typical paralegal or legal assistant would perform. Uh, I work for my home office. That's the difference. I'm still a valuable member of the legal team. I review documents. I draft pleadings and correspondence. I electronically file documents with courts, uh, just basically all of the different aspects that a paralegal would perform in a traditional law firm office.
1: Okay. Now, Tina, I have a, a really good question for you. What are some of the most important skills a person needs to work virtually, or maybe what kind of personality works best for this?
2: I think one of the top things is you need to be able to prioritize and work independently. And I think that would have to rank number one. If you're somebody that needs that boss reminding you of due dates when your work is due, then this would not be the job for you. Um, You have to, you know, be aware of your deadlines and everything yourself and make sure that you meet them. Um, Also, being able to assume the role of business owner and marketing department while still getting the work, work done uh multitasking is absolutely essential to the success of a business like this. And again, being able to prioritize, even if that priority is your own business, uh, you can be providing the best service in the world, but if you don't take your time to invoice, you're not going to get paid.
1: Right. I, I think one of the biggest things people re- need to realize is, first of all, it's not easy. And second of all, it doesn't happen fast. And third, you kind of have to wear a bu- you know several different hats when you're doing this. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kathy, working as a virtual paralegal still does require working under the direct supervision of an attorney, which is part of the definition of a paralegal. So how do virtual paralegals meet their ethical obligations?
3: As a virtual paralegal, I have the same ethical obligations as an in-house or traditional paralegal, Virtual paralegals must keep the supervising attorney involved and aware of all the tasks that are being performed. Communications and task completion are documented with email updates to the attorneys. All email communications with a client are always copied to the attorney. Document drafts are forwarded to the attorney via email for specific approval and digital signature before they are finalized and mailed or filed with the court. I also maintain a personal conflict of interest database uh, for myself just to be sure that those boundaries do not get crossed either.
1: Thank you. Those are some really um, important points. Now, I, I think people might be interested in knowing what's good and what's not so good about working virtually. Can you uh, both give me, you know, just some of your uh, your take on that? So, Tina, what do you think?
2: Uh, my one good thing, if I had to boil it down to one, would be being able to work from home and the flexibility it gives you, as far as being able to adjust your schedule as needed. And the one bad thing would be the difficulty of balancing your work and life because you are working from home. It's way, way too easy to work all the time because there's always there in front of you.
1: And Kathy?
3: I think the top um, benefit would be just having the ability um, to work with the attorneys and paralegals that I want to work with. I can be somewhat selective um, based on professional styles and core values. If you know, a relationship is just not working, then it's uh, more easy to move on to another ideal client or paralegal relationship, much easier than if you were in an employee position within a law firm. You would actually have to be seeking a new job. So that is uh, much better. Um, Negative aspects, um, I I would say that that boils down to working lots of hours. Um, As Tina mentioned, wearing all of those hats, you absolutely must multitask all the time. And although you might not be billing for as many hours as you work full time, you are definitely working the same amount of hours, if not more, depending on what stage your business is at.
1: I totally understand that because I do a lot of my work virtually, and uh, I I think I work more than I did in uh, you know when I was in the brick and mortar setting. Okay, I have uh, we're we're just about to go to break, but I have a quick question that I would like to throw out here, and that's the issue of uh, secure communications. How do you uh, both deal with that, Uh, Kathy? You want to give me a a brief answer? I use. Um, The special tools that
3: technology has given us today, uh, there are a number of secure file-sharing tools such as Dropbox, there's SugarSync. Uh, We also have uh, some services such as Clio and Rocket Matter, which are actual attorney services. They're all password-encrypted tools for sharing documents and information concerning your files. Some mm-hmm. attorneys will still do just plain email. Uh, I use a secure network, internet connection.
1: Okay. And now, Tina, what about you?
2: Like Kathy, I use a lot of the online file sharing services like Dropbox and my network, My I have a wireless network in my home, but it's secure and it's encrypted. Um, But also, I don't probably have to worry about the same level of uh, security that Kathy might have to, but I am aware all of the time that that my clients do include attorneys and I do things like when I create a PDF, we can password protect that PDF, we can encrypt that PDF. So, um, I actually use the Adobe software in order to do that and add a higher level of security to some of the documents.
1: Okay. I was um, giving uh, an ethics presentation this past weekend, and I reminded everyone that the ABA, um, the House of Delegates... uh, Let's see. They adopted Rule 105A, which requires that attorneys uh, be aware of new technology and uh, the benefits and the risks of this technology. So now, uh, you know, that's an ethical obligation of the attorney. So I'm hoping that everybody starts using, you know, using these secure tools. Okay, it's time to take a quick break. When we return, we'll have more information to share with Kathy Ribble, owner of Digital Paralegal Services, and Tina Hilton of Clerical Advantage. And now a word from our sponsor, NALA.
0: NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development all paralegals and NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org.
1: Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison and we're talking today with Tina Marie Hilton and Kathy L. Rebel, ACP. Tina, you are a member of the attorney's team. So what tips do you have for listeners for forming that team and making that work?
2: I think the first thing that you need to keep in mind is you want to find team members that fit your work style. If you are an extremely laid-back type of person and your team members are more tightly wound both of you are going to end up frustrated, and that's not to say that you need people as laid back as you are. In fact, a little more structure in your team members might be helpful, but you want to make sure you're not at totally opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'd also recommend that rather than trying to find one team member that does everything, that you consider taking on multiple team members, each with their own strengths and abilities.
1: Those are good tips. Now, Kathy, your business actually, um, I think, hires paralegals to be members of your team. So, and they're there to provide services to attorneys at your direction. So, what standards and skills are required for paralegals who work with you?
3: For clarification, we do not actually hire paralegals as employees, but we enter into a uh, subcontractor arrangement. <clears throat> Our goal at Digital Paralegal Services is to match attorneys who are looking for virtual support with paralegals who have the particular experience in a designated practice area and preferably even geographical area. Additionally, I require that the paralegals be already certified by the National Association of Legal Assistants because that means they've already passed extensive testing, and they are also required to complete continuing legal education requirements. So that assures me and the attorneys that the paralegals meet a certain professional standard.
1: I uh, I agree with you that they need to meet standards. I mean, this isn't anything that, first of all, someone right out of school um uh, can't do this job they have to have some practical experience plus the education and the continuing education. So if I hear from uh, people who want to start a virtual business, you know, maybe they're just out of school and they're having a hard time finding a job and they think that this might be the way to go, I always recommend that they have some uh, office experience before, the, and at least two years of office experience before they start their own business. Would you agree with that, Kathy?
3: Most definitely. And the other virtual paralegals that I have uh, collaborated with over the past few years, uh, would say the same thing.
1: Yeah. Now, Tina, n- uh, you know, not only do you provide services to attorneys, uh, you also provide educational opportunities for other uh, others who want to work virtually. So, tell our listeners about um, those educational programs that you offer.
2: Sure, Vicky. I am a faculty member at Solo Practice University where I teach a course for solo attorneys on finding and working with virtual service providers. And I also recently launched Virtual Assistant Survival School, which is for those looking either to start working as a virtual service provider or those that are already doing so and are looking to expand their skill sets and and the amount of services that they're providing.
1: So what are some of the things that you teach them? I know you've got some um, modules up. Some Tell of the, me about those. Some this.
2: of the recent items that I've had as far as learning modules is um, Pinterest and Twitter. I've got modules on both of those uh, going. We've got a module on networking that's coming out soon. Um, and all the way back to just, you know, the legalities of starting up your business, what you need to look into as far as, you know, your, your local rules and regulations and fees that might be uh, needed to,
1: taken care of before you start that business. Uh, Kathy, you are, um, you know, you're a contributing author, I know that, and you've even contributed a couple of articles to uh, Paralegal Strategies, that my weekly newsletter, but you're also a guest blogger, so tell our listeners where you've done that, and the biggest thing is how you make time to write, and, you know, and how the writing has benefited you.
3: (laughs) The uh, writing does not just happen for me. Uh, with with inspiration. I have to make a list of you know ideals that
0: uh,
3: I think would make a good article, and then I have to physically schedule that on my calendar or it won't get done. I just have to have a um, deadline, self-imposed, or, or even a deadline to a third party. That really helps me discipline myself to complete that task. I have I started blogging on my own website Digital Paralegal Services and then as you mentioned um some of those articles were shared in your e-zine and a few other sp- blogs and websites started picking those articles up. Eventually I've had some very special opportunities to guest blog for Deborah Bruce at Raising the Bar, which is a law practice management thoughts and tips blog. I've also had the opportunity to contribute to a Texas Bar Journal article, something with the Virtual Paralegal Training Center, just several different national organizations, including NALA. My tip to paralegals would be to always do the one thing right in front of you because you never know where that's going to lead.
1: That's right, just like being on the show.
3: That's correct.
1: I'm glad you guys can be with me today. I'm wondering if you both have, and I'm, I'm sure you do, any favorite blogs or websites that you find helpful in your business. So, Kathy, why don't you start with the, on that question?
3: I typically uh, like to concentrate on the legal technology blogs. Uh, is in particular law technology dot com and I enjoy virtual legal tech dot com. Those sources have great information.
1: Okay, and Tina?
2: I mine are more small business related, I think. Um dot com always has some really great information for uh, those of us providing services like we do, it's high on my reading list, along with smallbizsurvival.com, which is really geared towards those that are working from small town and rural areas, and then, of course, copyblogger.com, which is fantastic as far as uh, those of us that blog and are looking for to put great content um, on our websites and in the things that we write.
1: Okay. Now, I, uh, and I I wish I could remember who said this, but uh, it was in one of the blogs that I follow. And the man said that he was quite sure that when his children grow up, and he tells them that he used to go to an office, they're going to ask, what's an office? Because that may become a thing of the past. Now, so that being said, what are your predictions about the future of virtual professionals? Uh, let's see. Who'd want to start with that? Let's, uh, Tina, what do you think?
2: I really think businesses are just starting to see the real benefits of working with a virtual professional, even though we've been around for a while, whereas before they thought of virtual assistants as only being capable of doing lower-level administrative tasks. They're really beginning to see the value Um, in the ability to find high-level expertise that can be utilized on an as-needed basis rather than having to go hire an employee to get the benefit of a trained professional. So, as this becomes more widely known, the benefits are going to make virtual services the norm, I think, rather than the exception.
3: Kathy, do you agree with that? Wholeheartedly. I believe that we're, we're just getting started. The economy is demanding that legal services be delivered in the most cost-effective methods available. We've seen a number of attorneys that have left the mid and larger size law firms and go into solo practice. Those solo practices are just really getting established now, and those attorneys need help, and they're going to have to find that in the most cost-effective way possible. Thankfully, the technology has made that easy for us to accomplish.
1: I totally agree with both of you. That's about all the time we have for today. And thanks very much to my special guests, Tina Marie Hilton of Clerical Advantage and Kathy Ribble of Digital Paralegal Services. I'm so pleased that you could join me today. If someone wants to know more about today's topic, uh, you know, more information about your businesses, how can they reach you? Kathy?
3: They can contact me through my website at digitalparalegalservices.com. My email address is Cribble, R-I-B-B-L-E, at digitalparalegalservices.com. And they can just give me a call at one eight hundred five three one seven five two seven. 531 7527
1: Great. Thanks. And Tina.
2: I can always be contacted through my website, clericaladvantage.com, or directly by email at hilton at clericaladvantage.com.
1: Okay. If you have any, any questions about today's show, please email them to the paralegal voice at gmail.com. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. So don't go away.
0: We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
1: Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time when I give you your practice tip for the month. Now, this past weekend, I presented... Legal Technology Trends, Leveraging New and Useful Tools to Meet Ethics Obligations. And I did that at the conferences of the Los Angeles Paralegal Association and the Inland Counties Association of Paralegals. Talking with all of the paralegals who were at those conferences reminded me that california paralegals must meet the standards set forth in section sixty four fifty of the business and professions code to use the title paralegal so if you're a paralegal in california be sure that you have the continuing education credits that you know are required by Section 6450, and you need those by the end of the year. If you're a paralegal in another state, be sure to check your state standards for using the title paralegal. Those standards really do vary from state to state. Also, the American Bar Association, NALA, NALS, and NFPA also have standards that you do need to meet, so please do keep up with that. So that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Vicki Voison, thanking you for joining me today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. It's officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by The Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes.